1: Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the B&G writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience.
2: Hey, are you done yet? We gotta start the show. <laughs>
3: The Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, presented by the Black and Gold Productions Podcast Network and sponsored by Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and enter code CLNS50. Today is October the 18th, 2020, and this is episode number 199. I am your host, Matt Barry, and I am joined every week by Heather Ingerson. Hello, Heather.
1: Hello, Matt. How are you today?
3: Oh, great. And also, Mark. All Red. Hello, Mark. What's up, Matt? How are you this week? I'm, I'm good this week. Lots of Bruins talk this week. Who says there's nothing to talk about in Bruins hockey? There's plenty on the agenda today. And uh, we will kick it off with Mark having a few words for us.
2: Yeah, I'm just going to drop right in here before I get to our sponsorship and let everybody know that um, uh, we, we do have a Patreon account that's going on. I want I want to mention this now in case the listeners don't listen all the way to the end, but... There's some really exciting things that are happening on our Patreon account. If you donate $1 at patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast, you get involved into our weekly drawings. So, our weekly drawings are going to start up soon. We're gaining more stuff. I can't believe all the stuff that I can see right now that is being ready to be given away. So, uh, just $1 per episode. Get involved. Uh, It is the holidays, so you can win some stuff and give a free gift away just for a buck. So... Uh, get involved in that, and we also do have. I want to mention the new um, BlackAndGoldHockey dot podcast network. We have nine shows. We are so filled up on that, and that is really going well. So check out uh, BlackAndGoldHockey dot com and go right to the podcast network and look at those shows. But before we do get into a massive, massive uh, topic agenda, that um, you know what's funny about podcast guys is just. These, there's a lot of good Bruins podcasts out there, but they're just not talking. They're like, it's so boring. It's like, oh, it's the offseason. We don't have anything to talk about. We here at Black and Gold, we come at you with like 15 or to 20 topics a week. So uh, it, we come at you swinging. But the reason why we can do this is because of places like Online, our sponsor. Uh, the way is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From the game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline.ag gives you more options to wager than any place online and have been a staple in the gambling industry for over 20 years. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today to start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures. Head over to BetOnline.ag either on your PC or mobile device and take care of Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses, and please do not forget to use the code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts.
3: Excellent. Thanks, Mark. And let's get right to uh, the agenda number one, topic number one, USA Hockey's Girl Hockey Weekend is this weekend. Bruins have plenty of initiatives around it. It's really cool to see a girls hockey weekend type event done by usa hockey girls obviously the girls uh girls hockey the sport of girls hockey women's hockey has come a long long way um and mark i just wanted to get your thoughts on on this weekend and girls hockey in general
2: it's 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 awesome i i'm a huge fan of women's hockey um and what got me involved in in being such a fan of 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 that is it's just the growth it's the expansion to to people uh and and great people that uh deserve to play too so um my my whole drive came from the boston pride once i saw these girls play and what they can do on the ice as professionals really got me more involved in the lower levels of learning about uh the women's sports and the growth that it's taking and and so and the speed bumps it's taking it really has taken a a long time to get here but with, um, with more notoriety throughout professional leagues like the NHL and, like, and some sponsorships that hopefully come down the line for some more consecutive seasons and not the what if, uh, I think that professional hockey in the, in the women's sense is going to be a very, very important thing moving forward.
3: Heather, how do you feel about girls hockey and uh, what USA Hockey is doing in recognizing girls hockey?
1: Well, I was excited when Mark said, do you want to add this? Of course I want to add this. I didn't want to bring it up because we also, in addition this week, um, Megan uh, Duggan, she retired. She's uh, an Essex County native, Danvers, you know, um, it used to be funny when I was a teacher, they would do adopt a community and famous person from your uh, town. And Danvers kids would always be like, how many Olympians do you have from your town? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, so congratulations to her and retired. But I th- I think it's important because even just what, whatever, I don't care. I'm 42, you know? And when I was a kid, girls play, I mean, I'm sure Mark, there were a few, the Nick, you know, Shiloh, Nick whoever floating, but there was really no place for like, as much as I support it, there wasn't even a place for the girls to play with the boys. You know what I mean? And now it's grown to have, I was looking and I was saying how the numbers that there's 84,000 participants in women's hockey in USA hockey registration for females, like youth and adults. And that's up 37% since 2009. That's awesome. Because, uh, like I said to Mark, these kids that we honor now, and trust me, like my sons, they've played so, like, Aria scored two goals the other day. You know what I mean? And uh, Bella Donahue, who we used to call her Bella Badass because, man, nobody wanted to take her because defensively, you know, I think it's been too long since there was another woman who had a chance to play on the NHL stage. You know? Uh, know, we all know Mark right now. He's like, oh, yeah, baby, I love, you know, but. Uh, It's been a long time and uh, just, it's awesome to see they're giving, you know, clinics specifically to give them, because I'm sorry, but guys and girls are different. And I think it's good for them to have role, uh, to be given the chance from real role models that represent them. And not only that, but we have a generation now where there's a mutual respect. Like today, they're holding a town hall, the Bruins, Charlie McAvoy and Megan are going to be on it, you know, it's kind of bridge the gap because that's how everybody gets better right like playing things so I'm just excited because to recognize individually not a long time ago was girls can't play hockey right and you know Cami Granados and the Megan Duggins of the world and see what's coming next and that's why just you and if you have a daughter out there and you think it's too or whatever it's not about that hockey's a skill sport it's not about the rough and tumble it just happens to be rough and tumble because you're on skates and like it's moving fast and whatever but Get your girl out there. She has a stick in her hand and she's like, please let me play. Let her play. You know, do what you can do. Just like you would even if your son looked at you and did that. And that's all I want to say. Go USA hockey because kicking butt. Our future Olympian, Olympic gold medals are at stake here, people. We need to get on it.
3: I totally agree. I think, you know, hockey is such a great sport. We all love hockey, passionate about it. and And I agree with Heather. It's a skill sport. Uh, and I think there's absolutely nowhere but up for, for women's hockey, girls hockey. I love seeing girls playing youth hockey. I'm from Waltham was a big hockey you know town. Uh, Waltham's a great, has always been a great hockey program and they were one of the first to have their own, you know, girls team. And so I, I'm, I'm much about girls hockey. So I think it's great. Um, all right. Next item on the agenda, big, big news just coming up yesterday. And we were kind of, we were thankful that it came out because we could talk about it today. Matt Grizzlick, defenseman, avoids arbitration signs a four year 14.75 million dollar contract. The uh, average uh, annual value is probably is right around 3.65 million per year. Uh, Heather, I'd like to get your thoughts on Grizzlick. I know you're a defense defensive person, obviously left shot defense is a major need for the team and, and, and Grizzlick seems to be the next man up, so to speak.
1: Well, my congratulations. Yay, I'm glad that Grizzlick's going to be here again. Uh, his dad's kind of funny on Twitter, I know, so I'm just saying. Uh, right. I don't usually pay attention to that kind of aspect. But I think we, we talked about last week, I think a 1-4 office sheet is a little disrespectful, like, given what you've – the, the um, if you're going to give him the opportunity and rely on him, you can't then say, oh, well, you're kind of the same as someone who's still on the AHL level, that being said, I think, yes, thank God, because the left side was collapsing, left shot defensemen are hard to come by and just, I think Matt Greslick's earned his spot to be the next guy up, you know, if you're not going to, we'll get to it, but like, you know, we talked about tory has gone and everything, you don't know what else is going, maybe that doesn't mean we don't go out and still have to find maybe another defenseman, I don't know what's going on, but I'm so happy that Greslick resigned because I do think he's one of the core pieces of us moving forward to the future with people coming up and people moving on or whatever. Uh, and that's all I have to say about that. Yay. Grizzlick for four more years. Hopefully.
2: Mark, what did you think about Greslick signing? It was a, a very friendly deal. And I, we kind of talked about that was going to be the range that he could get. I was looking at the two five, two, three, five. Area, so they went over a little bit on the uh, on my guess. Um, interesting again that the streak of um, of arbitration hearings uh gets cut short, which is probably good. Um, the uh, I think it was 2008, I mentioned it in the sportscaster stream I did last night. Uh, you guys can follow that at sportscaster um on Twitter and uh, the, the website sportscaster.com. Uh, it's a fun little thing I do on. Wednesdays and um I'm starting to do a weekend show too a little Saturday social I believe so if you guys want to get involved in that please go there and check it out but uh yeah no it's a very cap-friendly deal it's a 3.6 AAV it's four years um it addresses and checks off so many boxes of what you need for the future of this Boston Bruins team especially on the defensive uh defensive end so um uh, you know, obviously you're going to have to make additions. I, I'm not sure if this Boston Bruins team is so competitive defensively that we could just say we're in it for a cup next season. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done, um, and you don't have the cap space. So it's going to be interesting what's going on. I'm sure we'll talk about that later.
3: Yeah, man, you know, it's a, great, it's a good deal. I think what's important in this deal is the term. Because the term is four years. I think if it was, say, what, more of a one-year... You know, three point six five. Then that would be, I guess, a little more alarming. A little bit, a little bit more than you know you probably want to give. But four years gives it. He's right now he's twenty six. This brings him to his thirty year old contract. So it's right in the sweet spot in his prime of his career. He showed strides every year. He's improved every year. Uh, I think he has some good offensive skill that can translate into maybe a second power play unit kind of defenseman. uh, Increase his time there. Uh, I was a little. At first, I looked at the average annual salary and I said, "Boy, that's a long way from 1.4." But then I thought to myself, "You know what? The term is the key because year three and four, this is a very good deal. If he's improved even still and his production is more, then you're getting really good value at that at that number. Uh, you have a flat cap at least for next year too. So I think this is this is a good deal." one interesting thing though I heard was that Don Sweeney said it took a while to get to the, to the landing spot, which I thought was an interesting comment. I don't sure what he meant by that, but he said it took a while to get there. So I think they wanted him a little cheaper, obviously because of their cap constraints and, and they sort of have gone that avenue you know, this off season. Uh, now they have DeBrusque to sign or decide what they want to do with him. And then, you know, Carson Coleman and, and Zach Senechon, uh, and some other decisions to make with only a little over $6 million to go. So the money goes quick, as we've talked about in previous weeks. Uh, but I think this is a good deal. And I think Matty hits it right at the right spot, too, where the team really needs him, too. So I think it was a best of both worlds there. It was a good timing on his part uh, to, to have his contract up right now and, and be able to leverage it a little bit. So it's a good deal, I think, all around. And I think the term makes it better um just, next item on hey, the agenda Matt, is another. Matt yeah. I want
2: to touch on something yeah. real quick yeah. uh you're talking about Zach Senishin and Carson Coleman right um they at 5 p.m per cap friendly uh, reminded to all unsigned qualified offers expire at 5 p.m today okay. clubs, clubs can choose to extend the deadline past October 18th on a case-by-case basis even if a player rejects or refuses the qualifying offer they still remain RFA status, and the club continues to hold on to their rights. So, okay. uh, look for some news on Zach Zenishin and uh, Carson Coleman in the next um, uh, couple hours or uh, into the uh, next couple of days.
3: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, and they don't go to UFA status, which is interesting because uh, if they did, that would be a whole different uh, animal. But. I would expect the team to maybe try one, at least one more year with those two, uh, just for depth. And and Sanderson's the number one. You know, it was a first round pick, so I don't know if they could cut bait on him right now. There's not a lot of leverage in his party. hasn't he, he was a fourth liner essentially in the NHL. So, right. um, I would say I would see as you know see them signing one year deals uh, this week uh, sometime. So another another prospect and someone I know, Mark, that you, you liked. Uh, last year is uh, Jakob Um uh, He signed a two-year, one-way deal, which I thought was interesting. Uh, your thoughts on Zaboral as someone, I think, who's, who's gone past Vakanainen and, and uh, someone that, obviously, they're invested in because now, you know, he, he's pretty much have to start on the NHL roster.
2: Uh, yeah, I particularly had uh, Zaboral ahead of, of Vakanainen last season, in, uh, in development as a media member down in Providence and seeing it from my own eye test and, and also rubbing elbows with some of the the, uh, the writers in the press box. You, you hear that stuff, too. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a good deal. It's a good depth signing. It's an insurance policy as well. Um, if you want to get creative with your cap, you need to make moves like this and keep um, uh, you know an AAV low uh, of what um, Zaboro could be making. The 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 head scratcher for me was his his waiver priority um, because when he does come back from the Czech Republic, uh, when when the uh, the Bruins get to training camp, uh, it's either the NHL or if they if they want to move him down, um, he's gonna have to go through that process. And I don't think uh, a player with his um, you know his resume isn't great. But he's also a work in progress that any team would accept on in their in their depth system too. So he could get eaten up really quick, and I'd hate to see him go without him actually making a, somewhat of an impact in the NHL and 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 increase his value a little bit to you know either the trade market or whatever. So just my right. thought. But I thought it was a good a good deal, a good um, another cap little friendly deal, and um, keeps him in the fold for a little while. Well, remains to be seen, but yeah. right.
3: Uh, Heather, what do you think of Zaboro maybe filling a void there on the left, shot, left side?
1: Um, I think if you're not going to go do anything else on the defensive end, he's going to have to service. Right. But I think of the what I have seen of the kids down in, like, the AHL, I would rather have him than Euro, even if Euro's bigger. I feel like Zaboro's more... Especially if you end up having Connor Clifton or something, we don't know who's going to make camp, if there's a camp, like whatever happens logistically to actually figure out who that top six is. But I mean, Mark says a lot, right? At some point, you got to let them go and see what they can do. And if we're already looking at, we can all agree. We don't know what will happen this season. We'll have to see with whatever the new assembly of this uh, assemblage of this team is. Um, But I don't hate it. I mean, it's cheap. And I also think um, this goes back to what you said, Matt, about Don Sweeney. Sometimes his ego, you think. I don't think he can let the first round of 2015 go until he proves that these picks either have legit trade market value, a.k.a. Jack DeBrusque, or one of these kids, a.k.a. Zaboro and Senishin, will either develop into something. You know, there's still hope. They're still, you know, in that range. They're still, they could pop off for the last eight years of their career. You don't know, but Uh, I do think that's part of it, too, is that that's why I, you know, Seneshten's getting a contract. He just is like he won't be wrong.
0: I I, I
3: agree. I I think that that um, the first round pick thing is 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 an important piece of this. I think that they really want Saboru to be. And I think right now the one way deal shows that this is the time where he needs to show and they're going to put some investment into it. Um, as a former first-round pick, someone they drafted over Thomas Shabbat and some other, you know, really good players in that draft. And uh, I, I liked what I saw in some of the clips I saw with last year. It just seemed sort of smooth and, and mature in how he played and really looked like he had come, come a ways. Uh, and I think that now, like you said, there's really no other option. If you're not going to get a left-shot D guy, you have Jeremy, Jeremy Lozon, you, you have Grizzlick now in the thick mold that probably looks like a top-pair guy. Um, So now you're looking at maybe third pair with Zaboral and Clifton, maybe. And it'll be interesting to see. I don't know how much camp you'll have, like you just said, which is an important piece of it to really see what you have in him. And of course, the waiver process throws a wrench into it because someone would typically when you're a former first round pick, you get more chances. Yeah. And some team out there will say, you know what, if you go through waivers, we'll, we'll try Saboral. And so you really can't send them down. So I think this is a real chance now. And, and it might be that Sweeney just said, you know what, on the market and for the money, I really can't get anybody that much better than a Saboral. So let me just go with the guy who's under our control at real short money.
2: So yeah, uh, um, that's where it is. Yeah, I want to add something um, because the way the agenda was uh, was put in place, it was really good. Uh, because now we can talk about the two signings of Zaboro and Grizzlick And what that does, not only does it sustain, it put sustain, some sustainability into your um, into your depth and your lineup for the future, but it also gives time for players that are up on the rise. And I believe that um, a player like Zaboro and a player like Grizzlick, you're also going to see a great transition in the development of a Jack Ashan. And uh, mm. the way he moves the puck and he moves... I mean, he's he's potentially going to be a, a huge um, uh, work in progress. So keep an eye on his name uh, moving forward and uh, out of St. Cloud State. Going to play with Providence. I'll be reporting on him. So um, it's just the transition. You can see the trends of the Tory Krug, to Matt Grizzlick to the Cooper Zacks down there. These players are all fast moving, and they you know the Bruins like that type of player. So. It's not going away, folks. Even though there's so many people wanted the the big burly, I'm gonna, you know, kill everybody in the defensive zone type of guy. You also still need to move the puck out. So right. this is a good thing to happen, so don't complain about development.
3: Right, especially the way they play and Cassidy likes the defense and move the puck up quickly. It's not Chloe Julian where you're passing it back and forth until oh, you, you can fully bring it up. It's uh Cassidy's a transition coach and he needs puck movers and guys who are quick and who can turn the net quickly and move the puck ahead. And, and Zaboral, I think can, can add some of that. And I think it, it, you're right. I think right now we're going to see just the type of drafter Sweeney is because he needs his drafts to really fill in some of the roles that, that need to be filled in. So hopefully, but I, I just, my only caveat is, is that it's really hard to win at a high level with rookies on defense, especially multiple essentially, or a really young defenseman. Agreed. So that's, that's a caveat coming into the season, uh, you know, as the postseason hits and it really becomes a grind. So we'll see, but there are also some other signings. The next item on the agenda Bruins signed, actually uh, Greg a forward and Callum Booth, a goalie. So that's right up your alley, Mark. Uh, and I called, I called you it. I called it.
2: You did, didn't I call this? You had
3: it all the way. You did. You said that. Don't be surprised if a goalie—they need a goalie for depth. Don't and I got laughed at it. so
2: hard on yeah, Facebook yeah, and Twitter. Yeah. It was great to give it right back to them. Yeah, I mean,
3: I that's a good. That's a good. Uh, you know, it's a good depth piece. You do need some good because you're, you're going to be without your two NHL goalies after the year after next. I would assume. So you're really going to have to figure that out because you're really relying on some rookies either to step in or you're going to have to go out and get another veteran. So I know you're happy about that, Mark.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's just it's. I think it's a push move, and what I call a push move, and I'll explain what I'm talking about, is it it's 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 much like somebody coming in on a PTO. You know, this guy's got NHL experience. We're going to try him out, but he's our insurance policy. If these kids can't, um, you know, cross the threshold and take a roster spot from an NHL vet. So this is the same thing in the minor pro levels. Uh, Booth is, uh, has only played 13 AHL games, none in the NHL. So this is a thing that, you know, hey, Vladar, Swayman, you want that spot? You got to beat this guy out for it. So it's going to be an interesting um, training camp for the, that at the minor pro level. But it also creates a, uh, a weird situation in the East Coast League with Atlanta opting out. We talked about it last week. Um, and, and where everybody's going to go, that need, it has to go to the East Coast League if needed. So um, it's just a depth move, I believe, and 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 he's. It's not a a, um, a huge signing that if he doesn't make it, they could just release him and so on. So it's just it's just to me, it's an insurance policy, but it's uh, not a bad idea because it's it's the same thing essentially they did with uh, Max Legacy last year. So mm.
3: right. Uh, Heather, what do you think about these two little signings here? Greg McKegg, for those Hammerhead Bruins fans who love physicality, he has a guy who doesn't score and
2: plays physically. What (laughs) a last name, too, huh? Greg 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 McKegg. that's
1: that's all I could think was, oh, that's a great name for Boston. (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah, we've already seen Tap the McKegg, like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Do anything to anything. I mean, mean, see
3: the sign you know
1: not for anything, but they're just kind of like, okay, signings, like whatever you've got to have people to play in the HL and lower too. And uh, Mark had said, would probably be good if we could get maybe a little deeper on the goaltending end, you know, but the logistics of that, but I'm not going to lie. I was like, Hmm, I mean, they're not expensive contracts. What are they like? 770,000 a piece yeah. or something yeah, like yeah. that. They're not yeah, they're that much. So that being said, rhetoric of should we go get at least someone who's maybe a little more established of a name's money is dwindling and dwindling to do that even if it's a winger defenseman I don't don't care what it is so I guess we're at a crossroads boys what are we gonna do we gonna go do that or whatever we'll talk about as we go but it didn't really I don't know it was like hmm, okay like you know he's perfect perfectly good Players, uh, I trust Mark obviously on the goaltending. I, I'm not going to pretend like I really know who Caleb Booth is. I mean, I looked him up after they signed him or whatever. I know you had kicked around his name before. I just I was like, oh, yeah, that kid. Okay.
2: Yeah, I um, played down in but, Atlanta for a little while and did okay. You yeah, know, I, I might even watch the
1: game when we were recording one time at your house and we wa- I, I don't remember, but um, yeah, but it wasn't like neither here nor there
3: moving yeah. on i guess i think the, the bruins fans of course because because they've been waiting you know so desperately to, to have this big move happen you know it, when it when something like this happens they say oh this is what donnie Sweeney's doing so it, it's uh i think it's a i think it's 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 good to add some depth especially from outside the organization and it looks like mckeg not a, you know, obviously not a goal scorer but fourth line insurance you're not going to have uh, joe nordstrom around next year because he's gone and you know, you'll have one more year of Parlin home and, um, you know, Trent Frederick, you know, maybe some of insurance if, if he can't, you know, if, you know and then there's injuries, So it's good fourth line sort of depth. Sweeney does this every single year. He brings in another sort of fourth line AHL type guy, better, you know, more of a veteran guy. And, um, you know, I think it's a decent move. And then the goalie depth, like, like I said, next year, after next year, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. Um, they don't have an NHL goalie signed through next year. And then they have, you know, a couple of rookies they're high on. But, man, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know what – you really need to sort of address that because I don't know if Rask will be back. And, of course, Halak is getting older, and he's just a backup. So it'll be interesting to see. I
2: could see McKaig – I could honestly see McKaig, um being the pusher guy for a guy like Trent Frederick, mm. you know. Like yeah, and I think
3: the, that's a smart move.
2: Yeah. Oh, it is. It's just, it's just very low-cap, low-risk, high-reward. And, you know, if it doesn't work out for McKaig – and 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 hopefully, I'd like to see it. I for at least one season. I want to see more Freddie. So if it yeah. if it works out, it works out, and McKendry goes down to Providence. So it's on a two way deal. So, sure. Um,
3: next item on the
2: agenda is,
3: is, of course, now going back to bigger moves. Uh, Bruins have been, shown some interest in signing just about everyone, but Mike Hoffman is is another one, another name. Yeah, he's you know, whether or not he's a good fit worth potential six million. Now you're just a little bit over six million in cap space, so you'd have to absolutely move Jake Debrus to do this. So I don't know, Heather, your thoughts on whether or not they should really add another top six ish type of forward, or if it's really, you know, see what you see what you can sign DeBrus for at this point.
1: Um I don't feel since we just signed Craig Smith for his size. uh, That's his name, right? Craig Smith. Did I get it wrong? I don't know. The look on your face. It's like, oh, I thought it was Craig Smith. No, that's good. I'm like, did I already forget? Jeez. Uh, (laughs) As they produce about the same amount of production for you, and we're paying him a lot less than 5.6. I would rather that money be spent somewhere else. Nothing against Mike Hoffman. But there are probably still p- players out there you could maybe pay four two or four and a half and that will buy into the team friendly whatever you want to do especially maybe a younger defenseman too we talked about this again Hoffman he's not old but he's not he's not like young enough you can still kind of shape him you know you just gotta hope they can fit in and adapt in the system once they get to a starting point but I personally I know we're in on everybody apparently this postseason but not getting any Hoffman is not the dude I want to spend. I'd rather mm. get off or something if you're going to spend that kind of money. He's gone. But I, I know. But do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of player. It. I just. I just. I again. I don't know what the plan is. Uh, but he's not big enough to me for him to get paid five to six million dollars like that. Effective. We can get cheaper, probably just as
2: effective players. That's all I mean. I, I just. I was
1: going down the list of everybody we were supposed to be getting this offseason. <laughs>
2: The current cap space is uh, $6.6 million on the E-Cap friendly. Uh, I'm sorry, fuck Media. I'm, I'm bouncing between both of them. My eyes are going crazy. Um, so uh, Hoffman, won, and he said he wanted to take a one-year deal. I said this on Sportscaster last night. I think him and Taylor Hall are already in a competition for who's going to be the, the high-profile uh, free agent next year. So he takes a one-year deal somewhere um, and gets paid my thing with him is, yes, he's talented and so on, but but I want some term a little bit because if it doesn't work this next season with this lineup, I want to try again. I want to try again and see what happens. So you want somebody of his caliber. I know he's a 30-goal scorer, and he puts the puck on that. Lots of shots. Um, you know, you want that in the fold if it doesn't work this next time. And if he's only going to take one more deal... And if he doesn't win the cup, do you think he's gonna wanna come back? I don't think so. So for me it's a no because of that reason, the cap space, and also you we do have to bring in his past. He's got a troubling past with um with his his dealings in Ottawa with his psycho girlfriend slash wife <laughs> and, and this and the complete um chaos and, and nonsense with the with the Carson family back then. I, I I mean, all these avenues are coming at me. Some are saying, yeah, do it because he's a good player. But other ones are saying, what's this going to do for the locker room? And and let alone, what's this going to do for like family, like get togethers? You know, when you, I mean, that's to me, that's just a black cloud walking in on a sunny day.
1: Okay. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to be the woman hating the other woman. But everything I've heard about him is like, love Mike Hoffman, great guy kind of thing. But I don't need her kind of baggage. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have that energy. Like, the wives are just as integral to the... Just as integral to this whole entire operation of the Bruins. Sorry, I couldn't... We don't need that kind of cancer, just like we wouldn't go out and get... A, even if you are a good player, and you might be a good fit here, if you can't fit into the greater thing that is called the Boston Bruins and the community and the fans. like, And trust me, lady we aren't Ottawa fans. If you go after someone's, or in especially that situation. And that's another reason I didn't want to bring it up to such a deeply personal kind of, I, I can't, I don't want that anywhere near here. Sorry, guy. Not for you, but I don't want your wife here. None of us like her. Like when you have to, I'll tolerate someone I actually knows Wife, I don't like, but I'm not tolerating having to see her all over Boston media and that's it that's thank you thank you for bringing it up
3: (laughs) I like I like and I I like Mark's point here is I like you know I like the two signings they've had with Smith and Grizzly because of the term and as you're going through a flat cap I think Sweeney's done a really good job in those two ways of signing these two players for three and four years respectively um, so that at a really good number so that two and three and four years from now it's an even better number type of thing and i and i like that too i don't i don't want to go especially with only a little over six and a half million left to go spend the rest of it on a one-year deal for a guy who let's face it does he move the needle enough to you know to really um enhance the team and really push you to a cup sort of situation and i don't know if he does i i'd rather do that in a left shot D to compare with McAvoy and, and make a really top end, uh, you know, top pair instead. So I, I, am, I am a no on Mike Hoffman for a couple of reasons. One is because if he just signs a one-year deal, I'm not interested. And at the number right now with what they have left in cast space, I'm not interested. And then there's the whole his, his girlfriend. And by all accounts in Florida, nothing really happened. and He was fine um and people sort of like him and like heather said but um but it really it's about the the lack of term that could be on the deal and the fact it pushes you right to the edge and i'm not not a fan of of either of those scenarios really um next item on the agenda is the captains dano chara and what's happening with him there's been multiple reports that he's had multiple offers or people or other teams have have actually come in with discussions to him about what his plans are for the next year or two. And even some reports that it could be more than one year offers to him. Is it possible that he could finish his career elsewhere? And Don Sweeney actually just yesterday said that they've been in discussions with Char, but are waiting for him to sort of make the move and decide what he wants to do. So Mark, I don't, I, I, I would like Chowder back on like a 1 year, 1 million, 1.25 incentive laden something like that deal. I think personally, that Zdeno Chara is not planning to start the season playing hockey. I think that he is looking to sign mid-season. I think he's deciding he's, he's sort of seeing because of wear and tear and maybe bubble issue and what's going on when the schedule hits, I don't think he's showing his move right now because I think he may plan to come in mid-year. So I didn't know your thoughts on that.
2: Um, for me, I talk about it all the time. It's, it's, it's I'm totally on the fence with him uh, coming back for another season. Um, you know, I, I see him as a leader. I see what he can do in the locker room. I don't see much on the ice. Cause he's, you know, I'm not discredited in the guy's career at all. Um, but if he does come back, you know it's got to be on a low term, and and from my understanding, and, and I kind of touched it out on Twitter. I just kind of had a feeling, you know, just a speculative feeling, that you know once Tory Krug was gone out of this, something happened to the to the locker room, and I was just like, maybe he's not signing because there's some turmoil going on, much like what happened in Chicago with Taves and Kane. Once they made the moves for Sad and got rid of uh, Corey Crawford. Those guys came on The Athletic and said, you know, where are we in the discussions? Where's all this happening? What are we doing? What's our plan? So, you know, I kind of got the uh, feeling that Jared maybe didn't want to get involved in that. But later on, and, you know, when people, and things started coming out, you know, it, it might be true or not, but, you know, he wants to at least see what's going on with the upcoming season and where they're going to be, much like you said, in the bubble and blah, blah, blah. So... I think that players are going to be more apt to be more involved in these situations if their families are involved with them too. If mm-hmm. it comes out of the family, I don't know if Chara's is going to want to do that, and I think that he might wrap it up right there, which would be a very sad ending to a, a a tenure in Boston that you know brought a Stanley Cup and 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 a few appearances to the Cup Finals. So, you know, it's 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 very strange how everything's working out. But the other thing I want to touch on too is like you you. you You resign Miller ahead of your captain. That was a little bit of, and I know there's no particular order when things happen, but still, you have to like question that move. So that's just my thought.
3: Hello, what do you think of Chara and what he might plan to do?
1: I think that you do actually have to have an order sometimes, or at least have a plan of an of what you know priority. Like that is an important part. You know, I'm not. It's easy for us to sit back and be armchair GMs. It happens every – like Bruins Twitter is going to eat itself like a cannibal if something doesn't – either just like, okay, we're done, we're not signing anybody else, and this is it. People deal with it move on or whatever happens. But it really – it's getting ugly out there. Even yesterday, I was like, I can't even listen. I'll just look. If I see one of you guys pop up, I'll see what you're talking about. But other than that. But it bothered. Again, I'm like Mark. Like, I understand that maybe Charo, are moving on from him. But what bothers me, I think, is this guy is one of the top players ever to play uh, point-wise defensively, games played overall as a career. We, And as much as I don't want to um, take away from St. Louis winning the Cup in 2018, as a Bruins fan, we know that they didn't win the Cup, we lost the Cup. And it was our own fault. And that's not fair to Zayn because he has been an excellent captain. And this, it, it was different when Ray Bork made the decision to leave and it was like, oh, everyone was upset. But like for it to go on down that way and then 2020, I just, I, I, I just feel, and it's not just because I, I could care less, not, I don't mean I could care less about Kevin Miller, but like really did we have to give him the money? I really would have rather gave Zdeno Chara one more year so he could really make a decision, see what's going forward. He gets guaranteed at least two mil if he wants to call it a day or whatever going forward after that. And it kind of bothers me that we're not... If Zdeno Chara as the captain, the heart and soul of this Bruins team, right? He's the one, even Bergeron, he circles around Chara, right? It bothers me that he's had enough offers that he's actually considering not even bother. And remember how... Don Sweeney said, oh, I don't, you know, Torrey can go out and see what he can get. And, you know, he can always come back and negotiate. And then Tory Crew was a St. Louis blue. I would not be surprised to see it this week. Zidane Chara has somebody else's sweater on. And whether you love or hate Chara, that should break your heart as a Bruins fan.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if Chara really was just surprised of the offers that came in or the talk that came in through his agent. I don't know. I think the bubble is a good point, I think. When you're 43, hanging out with 21 year olds in the bubble, it's not it's not the best situation. You know, I mean, it's just he's the, he's the older guy, sort of sitting in the bubble away from his family. We know that Chara is very, um, you know, sort of act, active and you know he loves to work out and and be active in the community and, and do certain things. Sitting in a bubble with a bunch of young guys, it's not a great scenario. You know, we we only think about the hockey, but that was a really difficult situation for a lot of people to be in over and this could be a longer time in a bubble which is not attractive so maybe he's just waiting out the nhl schedule and then saying okay this is this is what i'm going to do the only thing is that if the gets four and a half million a year and they decide to keep the now you're now you're really down to like the bare bones of your salary cap space and then do you have enough Do you want to use the rest on someone like chara i think the team has probably given him an offer that's like similar to Miller and he he's been taking discounts for a while now and maybe he just you know to me what's weird is the team seemed to give Kevin Miller a solid do Kevin Miller a solid and say hey here's your you know two year two million dollar deal over you know with the incentives included and I don't know if Chara maybe Chara thinks like well how come you haven't done me a solid (laughs) you know what I mean so I don't know it's I think the Miller, like Mark said, Miller, the timing of the Miller just come out in first day of free agency, like he was a hot commodity, and we have to wrap him up. Was was odd. I would have given him a
2: PTO, Matt. PTO yeah. the guy when they come back to camp. If, yeah. he, if he make if he beats out another uh, younger player, go for it. But yeah, to lock him up, yeah. it was definitely a solid. It was just like thank you. This is this is the money that you need to move forward. We're gonna try to help.
3: Right. And I think that, you know, with Chara, it could have ham- hamstrung them to really give Chara what they would need to give him to bring him back. So I don't, I don't know if, I think a lot of, I think it's really what it looks like is that Chara is really indecisive on in what he wants to do when you, when you factor in a bunch of different variables. And I think that the bubble is one and the contract is one and, and all of these, these things that come in together. And he's a left shot D, which helps, you know, which would help them. But again, does he want to take on a reduced role as a proud man, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him if he didn't want to. You know, he's the ca- captain of the team, you know. So, but it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. There's still some time here. Who knows when the season's going to start? And I think it's going to take a while for him to really uh, make a decision on it. So we'll see what happens. Um, next item on the agenda was the typical end-of-year off-season injury list. Uh, Brad Marchand had a uh, sports her- hernia, which usually there's one or two on the team at the end of the season every year. So he had surgery. It'll keep him out uh, four months from the surgery time. And then, and then David Pasternak a little bit more concerning for me was the hip uh, surgery that he had, And you can really see now why he was slowed down in the postseason. that keeps him out almost six months from the time of surgery. So you're going to start the season without these two guys. So Mark, I don't, it does that? I mean, it's it's a little alarming that they'll you'll lose these guys, you know, with with a quick turnaround here.
2: Yeah, I I think that the season's. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> it's going to be a tough start no matter what. Um, going into another different situation, uh, so it's going to be a lot of uh, adjustments going on. This this is going to be a great opportunity for some of these younger players that have been playing in Providence to really step up. I can see Jack Sonika playing a, a definite bigger role in a situation like this and taking advantage of the uh, the roster spot due to uh, ailing injuries of, um, of some of these uh, core players. So, um, yeah, it's going to create good opportunities, but I'm not overly worried. I'd rather see these guys uh, come into this next season um, healthy, doing what they need to do, and be effective in their return, whether it be... A quarter, halfway into the season, and then let's get ready for a nice little playoff run. Um, so I'm not overly concerned. I will be concerned if they if they um, do what they need to do to get back um, and have injuries later on in this in the year. You know, you never really want to see um, that when you when you're putting together a playoff uh, type of, of roster and and if they're not ready or if they happen to get ready. What does that do with the, um, the, the, the available cap space and the wiggle room that you created now and, um, you know, in uh, addressing those needs for postseason? It's just I, I'm not overly worried. I think we do have some uh, some really good assets uh, building work in progress types of, uh, of, of players that can fill in nicely and and uh, and provide some really good audition roles.
3: Heather, what do you think about uh, starting the year off with Marciand and Parsonak out and potentially not making a big, you know, a real big move in your top six? So that sort of puts you behind the eight ball.
1: Yeah. Um, I, it's obviously concerning because of how important they are to the team, but mm. I fear that we're going to kind of have a hot mess of a situation the way we did. There's going to be so much no hockey. It's going to, the beginning of the NHL season isn't going to look like what we're traditionally used to seeing it look like again, it's going to probably be a little messy anyway. So maybe that, and maybe a lot of clubs choose to like Marcus, you know, maybe bump some people up, whether it be by injury or just, or like you were saying with Chara, if someone signs him, you can keep him out of the lineup, you know, or you cannot. Um, I would rather a player always heal the most they can and not be out there than risk long-term injury or just a nagging injury can make you more miserable than maybe missing the first six weeks of a season. So that's how I feel. I'm not surprised there were surgeries though. I mean, you, you could tell people were all sports. Of well, you could definitely, out there.
2: you could definitely tell that, um, that Passenach was, was, uh, doing something. I, I said, I said a groin from the tape that I saw when he was doing like his, he celebrated goal, and he would like want to go up so high, but he would catch himself like ooh, yeah, ooh. ooh. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, that might be a groin right there, but a hip yeah. injury kind of makes sense now.
3: It does. The hips are very serious. I mean, you could really, you know, you can have a shorter career if your hips are starting to go. So. That's
2: why I didn't want to take a chance on a player like Wayne Simmons. Right. Wayne Simmons right. had had hip surgery a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but because he didn't he didn't um, allow the appropriate rest. He right. was able to play on a um, on a hip that was surgically worked on, but he's not ever going to be 100%. If right. you allow him to be 100%, he would have came back a lot better player. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. Right. I don't know. I'd yeah. rather see these players rest up and be, be ready than forced into a roster because oh, right. you can't rely on anybody else.
3: Yeah, and Bruce Cassidy actually made mention, uh, I think it was yesterday, where he said that uh, – you know, those guys are meeting Martian and Pasternak are well-conditioned athletes and they'll probably be able to shorten that timeline. I thought to myself, I don't know if I want that with Pasternak. Maybe with Martian, but with Pasternak and a hip injury at a young age, relies on, you know, speed. And uh, I don't know if I really want him to come, you know, rush it back. Um, I do see, though, that this could be the start of the season, could potentially be a little rocky to start. I would just hope that they could just hang in for a bit, get some contributions from some other guys. Maybe some young guys can step in, and then they can they can just hold off until until Marshon and Pustinak are back, and then they can make a push. Uh, just don't want to start off really badly, and then you're behind it all all season long.
2: Also, um, real important yeah. to know. Also important to know is these these are retroactive a month. So right when we right. when this uh, when this article came out, and the official news came out. You know that that put push that back a month, so a two to three month is now a little a little better on the mind anyway. Right, a little
3: a little less, right? And especially if they if they aren't starting until mid January, so I mean, if it's it pushed any further than that, you may have March stand back.
2: One anyway. more thing, Matt. Did you yep. hear about the the official start of the NHL being? I wanted to make this a uh, a topic, but I totally forgot. Um, the uh, I think it's Lois Lake. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful area up in Alberta and, really? and it's a pond. It's, I guess everybody goes there for pond hockey. I guess it's the best. Um, but, um, they were actually thinking about having a game there. I don't know if that's uh, going to be true or not, but if you guys heard about it and if you want to talk about it, just well, real quick. That, that's
3: great. I, the, the, the one thing, and I wrote about this on black and and it's actually coming out today, later on today is that the realignment itself has the, the, the issue with the Canadian border is that Justin Trudeau the, the Prime Minister has actually shut off the border from US residents so this could actually potentially cause the, the league to go to a Canadian only division so that actually takes Toronto and Montreal out of the Bruins division so that's two really big components and rivals that they uh, would be taken out of the division so if you go to Alberta for something like that I don't know if you know the the American teams, are going to be able to go up to Canada and play, um, you know, on on Canadian territory. So that's that's interesting. I would love a pond hockey sort of situation. That would be badass. That'd be really cool. I mean, I I read Bobby Orr's book. He talked a lot about pond hockey and how great it was. Of course, all the players love the Winter Classic because it's sort of like a pond hockey outdoor kind of atmosphere. I think it'd be great just to just to do it. You can't have crowds anyway. Just, yeah. just play some pond hockey for a day.
2: It's three as, or four games there. <laughs> as cheesy as it is, it reminds me of Mystery Alaska so bad. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But they right. had
1: that video circulating: of the guy skating or whatever, and the ice was
2: green. Tank it's oh, beautiful.
1: beautiful and that would be kind of fun like putting some gopros just on these and let them play like their kids you know what i mean do you think that cheap bastard
2: do you think that cheap bastard at black and gold will allow us to uh, make a, a field trip out there sometime
3: uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. probably not he's yeah. he's been
1: a fan of the bruins and jacobs for so long no i'm just kidding <laughs> um yeah but it's beautiful Ouch. it would be such like that would be cool and natural sounds with them skating. It was just awesome. Sorry. That would be an excellent idea, I think.
3: Absolutely. Um, So the possible one year alignment onto the next topic, which uh, is a great segue right into this new realignment where the Bruins could be actually being in a division without Canadian teams. And of course, Toronto and Montreal will be two of those teams that would be in a Canadian only division. It actually could make it a little bit easier road. I saw that there was some talk about maybe having New Jersey and Florida and, and some lesser teams, it just so it of happens to work that way. Some lesser teams and more of a regional type of division, and it actually could benefit the Bruins. So I don't know, Heather, what you thought about Canadian only division and what that if that's cool, if that's something that sort of takes away the rivalries of Toronto, Montreal and and how that could affect the Bruins?
1: Um, I think it would be very, very strange after all these years to not play the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. But I also think if that's what they have to do to produce a product safely, if that's where we're at, when I mean, no one knows yet. That's still a couple months away, you know. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. plan for it. Um, but they already try to shove rivalries down each other's throat. Maybe some natural rivalries might develop even for a season, you know? Like, I'm not a natural enemy of the St. Louis Blues, but man, now we are, you know, kind of thing. And I also think it'd be interesting, especially like an all-Canadian team because, I mean, Ottawa and Montreal, the people have been making some moves, you know? I mean, we could have had Joe Thornton for $770,000. I think that's hilarious because I don't like Joe Thor. you know, going to Toronto. So it might be interesting to see with the newly vamped Canadian teams, what they can do not having to play, you know, just playing each other, I don't know. I It might make, create more um, natural rivalries in the sense that it used to be regional, like I don't like the Rangers because I'm from Boston, you know, like that kind of rivalry too. Uh, Florida and Tampa Bay you know maybe not a lot of people go watch Florida but maybe like when Florida plays Tampa Bay maybe their numbers and ratings go up we don't know I don't live there I don't care but you know I just so it might do something for rivalries I just don't want to listen to a whole season of Doc Emmerich trying to make up rivalries between the Phoenix Coyotes and right. the Columbus Blue Jackets have, have this fierce rivalry <laughs> no they don't stop <laughs> no they don't so what do you think
2: about it uh, I th- it's very interesting to say the least, and, and I'm looking at the map that was, uh, shared on the Spit and Chicklets, I believe, um, Instagram account, I screenshotted it, so stolen, um, uh, but the, uh, the North Division, which would be the Canadian, would be Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal, and then going from West to East, it would be San Jose, the Kings, the Ducks, uh, the Golden Knights, the Arizona team, the Avalanche, Dallas, and uh, Minnesota. Mm. And then moving to the, another division, I can't remember the color, the Southern division. It'll be the two Florida teams, Carolina, Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. That'll be interesting. And um, the green color, which would be the Eastern division. Um, I'm all over the place with this damn phone. But that is Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Columbus. Um, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Washington, Philadelphia, New Jersey, the Rangers, Islanders, and the Bruins. Hmm. That would be very, very interesting right there.
3: It would be interesting. I, I think nothing says Southern like Chicago, Illinois, it's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. but uh, that's, uh, but I, I think it's, it would be a little bit of a letdown, not even you know, Toronto, that's developed into a nice little rivalry where Toronto can't beat Boston when it counts and, <laughs> and needs to go jump over a team like Boston to, uh, to reach their goal. And they've put all their eggs in the basket. They've spent all their money and, in a really, when you when you try to sign Joe Thornton, no no better match made in heaven. I love Joe Thornton. I really do. I, he's been a great player, one of a, you know a generational player. Has won the heart. He's he's an automatic Hall of Famer. I think he gets a little bit of a bad rap. But it's one guy who 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 can't win going to a team who can't win, so that's going to be an interesting little marriage there.
2: <laughs> way to go, Kyle! <laughs> yeah, way to go. Yeah, way
3: to go. Way to go. It but was analytics.
2: Uh, it was all analytics driven. <laughs>
3: right. <laughs> right. So I don't. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Joe in in Toronto, but they're not to they're not be able to play Toronto and Montreal. You know, just growing up, you know, I'm 47 years old. I mean, Montreal is like, and I know it's probably not the way it is now with some of the younger fans. But if you're an older fan like me, Montreal, Boston is where it's at. I mean, that's the whole essence of why you're so passionate about Bruins hockey, really, is losing the Montreal for 43
2: straight years. So I'll be 47 in December. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. No, I'll be 45 in December. Jeez. Oh, wow. Oh, my mouth is. I, just I
1: almost just started laughing. I, I
2: just aged myself like, two years. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yeah, I'm always like, "Happy 500th birthday!" I didn't actually mean it, guys.
3: Slow down. <laughs> yeah, you, sometimes you, when you, I mean, you get past 40, you lose track. I have to go to the year and make them do the math, and it's I'm terrible at math. So, but uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's going to be uh, a little different. But I think it could be advantageous to the Bruins because they get some lesser teams in there, and just by chance, but it yeah. could help them, especially wow.
2: season. The travels is going to be um, before we take a quick break uh, and hear from the store next door. Dot CA. The travel is going to be really interesting on how everything works out, uh, whether it be um, you know uh, their own private thing, which I think it should be. You know, if you're going to quarantine together, you should do your travel together like that and be as, as safe as possible. Don't do what football is doing. Don't do what baseball did in the beginning. Um, but you know, just. Just make it safe for everybody else, and 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 by having these divisions like that, I think that it does accommodate for for the the fact that travel is expensive. Um, so you keep teams that are somewhat closer to each other. I know a lot of Canadian fans are screwed with it when they say, "Oh yeah, you know, uh, down the states everybody's everything's a cluster," but then mm-hmm. when you go to Canada, everything is just a, a stretch. So mm-hmm. it's it, you know it, everybody's gonna bitch at something no matter what. So.
1: Okay, to be fair, you can drive from Ottawa to Montreal in like four hours. It's like us driving to Montreal. It's not that Yeah, far. but, but Toronto to Winnipeg. Has, <laughs> but no one spread all their stuff out so far away, like the eastern half of it's Canada. It's not awful. I'm just saying. Um, but I, I was thinking that, like, it it's going to, I think it will be better for some divisions, quote unquote, than others. Like the Northeast, where in Canada, we're always going to watch hockey no matter what, right? I think maybe as sloppy as some of the California and Arizona is out there, the diehards will watch, but I don't know how much this uh, division system is going to help ratings in the Southwest or whatever. I feel bad for the teams though, that like, like Minneapolis, like, aren't they're closer to Chicago than Dallas or, you know, and like the way that they set that up. Like I was thinking St. Louis is closer than Dallas to Dallas than Minnesota is close to Dallas, but i I guess it can't be perfect but yeah it'll be interesting who knows who knows if we'll have bubble hockey maybe they'll just say screw it 65,000 people let's go we need some money <laughs> the Bruins need to sign a at the trade deadline don't just
0: kidding. well
2: speaking yeah. of 65,000 people 65,000 people should go to the store next door.CA and check out some of these great products from special people that that um, get a job to do some great stuff and recycle hockey equipment, keep it all hockey related. That's what I say. I'm a crazy hockey junkie. So uh, crazy hockey junkies, please go to nextdoor.ca, an awesome, awesome Yarmouth, Nova Scotia company doing awesome things for special people. As I said before, but we'll be right back after we hear from them.
0: There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, oh, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker, and we change lives one job at a time.
3: We're back on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast presented by Bet Online, And right into the next topic, Patrick Laine of the Winnipeg Jets has requested a trade. The Jets look like they're going to oblige the Bruins a good fit and what do you think it would take we'll start with mark
2: Um uh, i'm i i like the player i really do uh he's he's a, just another dynamic and and how the thought i mean i know it's so nhl 21 game uh but um the thought of having potentially two like scoring title champions on the same team that would be sick but it's gonna cost it's gonna cost and mm. and i'm mm. not sure if i'm prepared for that when you yeah when you really want to build for the future and you you're going to have to give up assets so the the, the rumor that i'm hearing air quotes uh, is the um bruins trade um brandon carlo jack cednicka in a first round pick and again mm-hmm. it's to for a player that's got one more year and unsure if he's going to be happy anywhere so I think it's just too much when you look at uh, several avenues of exploring a trade. It does provide just some sick offense. I think the five-on-five five would certainly be be all set there. But when you look at other areas and cap management, it just it's just a tough one for me to grasp onto. But you know, good on somebody for throwing it at the wall and see if it sticks.
1: Um, I. I love Patrick Line. I think that he's pretty awesome, and he would certainly solve your big-name kind of winger to help. You know, uh, he puts up a lot of points. He does our – we talked about trading and having a little term, which is good, but his term is uh, about uh, $750,000 over our cap space currently, so <laughs> that doesn't uh, make sense. But I think more to the point, it, it really – depends on what you give up, right? Because maybe this is where he'd like to be and maybe he'll take a team-friendly deal in another year or whatever, you know? It's hard to say, but that's a lot of cap for me. But again, if people are throwing out paying Mike Coffin, who's a lovely player, I thought to myself, why aren't the Panthers better than they have been? Because they have good players that score consistently 20, 30 goals or whatever. It's weird. Uh, But if I'm going to pay 6 million, I'm paying line A before I'm paying Hoffman. That's all I'm saying. But I do, I do. I think it's a stretch with the cap and all that. I, it's a little bit nuts to me.
3: Yeah, I, I like I, I like Lionel a, a lot. He's a natural goal-scoring, high offensive production player. He's got one year left on his deal. They'll need to include Carlo, obviously. I don't think they can get away with anything less than a Carlo. They'll probably ask for McAvoy. I mean, they'll, they'll ask for the best of the best from the Bruins in return. The Winnipeg Jets are an interesting spot because they only have $27,000 left to cap space. Not $27 27000 So if they were to give up Line A, they're not taking a lot in return, certainly not taking over $6 million in return. So Brandon Carlo at three and change and Stadnica in a first rounder would, would work. Uh, but again, with in, with Boston, they'd be get, getting rid of Carlo's contract and bringing back Line A, so that would work on that end too. I don't know if it's enough for the Jets. And that's a real bold move that with one year left, and then he becomes an RFA meeting Line. A, that's a real bold move that Sweet Don Sweeney hasn't been shown to make a lot in his career as a GM. Yeah. So that's that's really putting all your ducks in Patrick, not only in Patrick Line's basket, but also in the fact that you're gonna to have to pay him pretty handsomely after next year with another flat cap and delaware north struggling financially so i don't know if you really have the okay to do it anyway i'd take i line is the type of guy i would actually trade a carlo for because i i would be hesitant to trade carlo but that's the type of talent that i would take in in return i just don't think it would doesn't make sense on the jets part to take that that little in return and it doesn't right now i don't it doesn't jive with sweeney's uh, reputation of not really being risky a oh, risk taker
2: on the other side kevin Cheveldayoff, the the jets general manager i mean look at the defense that he's lost you lost mm-hmm. a big piece and a big guy in bufflin mm-hmm. you lost mm-hmm. truba in a trade mm-hmm. uh, or you know and then mm-hmm. you know you got josh morrissey who was a very good good piece but they they're gonna to want to get some of that defense back because they that's a team that's on the edge of, of possibly getting to a Stanley Cup within the next two or three yeah. years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Certainly yeah. got the goaltender, you got the forward. It's right. much it's much like Toronto. You need to address right. the defense,
3: right? And I and I think that that's why they would probably want a McAvoy because they want a more of a complete defenseman. And Carlo is a good stay at home type guy, not a lot of offensive production. You know, a nice piece for them. But I think it's going to be a case where the Bruins probably value him more than the Jets. So I, I think it, it it would be hard to line that up, so to speak. Um, I don't know where line is going to go. I'm a little bit afraid that, you know, if I'm Montreal, I, I put my eggs in that basket. Philly's a, Philly's you
2: know? a popular landing spot.
3: Philly, yeah. Uh, someone else that's, you know, that the Bruins play quite a bit in the Eastern Conference can really improve. Philly would majorly improve with a line A. Um, so I don't know, the Islanders. I don't know the Islanders. I don't know if they would have the, the financial means to want to do that. But but yeah, I mean teams that are close. Philly really made a really great run and is real close to being there. Maybe they could do it. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it's in the cards for the Bruins. Um, next item on the agenda is maybe a little bit of a lesser move, but someone who's been in the news last week. Mackenzie a defenseman for Florida, right shot D. And whether or not this is a good fit, again, with only a little over six million left and Jake Debrusque and Zdeno Chara in the wings here and, and making a decision on them, don't have a lot of real space to do it. Um, Heather, is Uyghur a guy that
1: really does it even make much of a difference for you now? No. No. Well, I don't know. This is this is weird to me. This is not what I mean if you go outside to get defense. we I would rather the kids in <laughs> Providence fight for their spot in right. Lettsboro or Clifton or Lozon or whoever ends up there. So A couple of them will end up there. It might even be Euro. Who knows what will happen at camp. But, the, no, it's not like this is – it's not even like it's a cheap, like, really helping and, like you would say, move the needle. It's not right. doing anything. It's just, again, paying, like – uh you know, whatever, maybe 1.5. I don't know how much he is exactly. Something like that to this guy to sort of be there. Well, we just gave Zaborro 750 or 770 or whatever. So why don't we just have him do that too? And yeah. nothing against him. It's just, this is not, although this is a definitely a Don Sweeney. Oh, this will, this is a good idea kind of move. So who <laughs> knows? Maybe he will be here, but not the shiniest toy or whatever on Florida that we were looking at. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, I mean, nothing against you, McKenzie. Nothing against you. Just, no, you're not helping my defense, so why do I need you sucking up my cap space? <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at as a
2: fan. For, for me, this was um, the type of... Do you guys remember when we were talking about free agents a couple weeks ago, and uh, I addressed, like, the Mark Boriecki from uh, Ottawa? He's right. going to be a real low uh, cap number, but he's going to add that snarl... That you might need on the uh, right. on the back end, but I don't always think that that's what we need. But it's an idea to address a certain area. This is that type of move again, but it's it's now. Uh, I believe he's still under contract. Is that right, Matt?
3: Yeah, he is. Yeah. We so this would
2: as a I
3: believe he's an RFA, right?
2: Yeah. So this would definitely be yeah. a trade instead of just the free agent idea. Yeah. So right. I don't know. I mean, he's the right shot. We're looking for lefty. Yeah, that narrative's not going away, and and I think that it would just create another shitstorm for Twitter, uh, Bruins Twitter, to go nuts on when you mm-hmm. bring in another right guy <laughs> that you should have gotten the left or blah blah blah. So right. yeah, I don't I don't right. see it moving, but I do I do see it addressing certain certain needs that the team might need. Right, and I and I agree. I I think when you have McAvoy, Carlo, Clifton,
3: Kevin Miller. And I think you're set there it's probably not the you know the greatest third you know Clifton's been okay and a third pair D right now uh, short money a million dollars uh, is fine. So I again Kevin Miller is not going to be healthy the whole year. so I don't know how much you can rely on him as a depth piece. So and you have some left shot D's actually as prospects. So I don't know your your prospects are left shot and you need left shot. So I don't know why you would trade a prospect left shot for a Uyghur. So I don't I don't know unless you could trade them for a prospect a forward prospect that you that is at the end of the line like a Senishin, you know, or something like that. Then maybe, but I just don't think it's necessary. Again, I, I'm into making moves that really change your roster, and if you're not going to do that. I'd just rather not do anything in, anymore. I think he tried it probably and it didn't work out. So now I think you're at a point now. And even Sweeney said it yesterday where they're still looking at their own free agents and a potential trade, but I don't even think it it means a, a, a major trade. So I don't, I'm sort of out on weaker. He's six foot 200, certainly bigger, but uh, and he scored seven goals a couple of years ago. So he has a little bit of offensive sort of game to him, but I don't think it's enough to uh, to really trade anything or bring bring this guy in, and it's not necessary. I don't think. Um, next item on the agenda is something that we Bruins fans talk about talked about a lot more twenty thirty years ago was Jeremy Jacobs and sort of his penchant for being on the cheaper side, and the general landscape of the economy right now in sports in twenty twenty obviously is uh you know there's not a lot of ticket revenue at all coming in and delaware north has taken a real hit with the events there's been no events at the garden since march seven months going in and not ending anytime soon so i think it's had an effect but mark um you know is here's the narrative that i always hear For the last 15 years, the Bruins have pretty much spent to the cap. Once they signed Chara and brought in Savard, that was sort of the changing point. That was a point where they said, "Okay, now we're going to try to win. For years, there were always one or two players away, and they wouldn't spend money through the 80s, the 90s. They had a great team in 1990 that lost to the Edmonton Oil as a powerhouse. They could use one more guy, never got the guy. So as a kid, I get this narrative. But now it's just not true, and I feel like because of the economic landscape, you know, old Hammerhead Bruins fans are going to go right back to this. Jeremy Jacobs is cheap. Well, it's not. It hasn't been the case the last fifteen years, and I think this is extenuating circumstance. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that.
2: It, it is, and 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 I'm just gonna I'm gonna start off by uh, just paraphrasing and uh, quoting a Ty Anderson t- cheat, uh, tweet. Yesterday, uh, this is just him talking, but beginning to wonder if the Bruins will spend on anything other than in-house depth free agents, as you mentioned. Jeremy Jacob put his $11 million New York City condo on market. Delaware North had layoffs at Corp, and they sold Casino. They bought for $180 million for $120 million. I think the idea of eternal cap has legs. So, and that seems to really frustrate people. Um, and the, the common thing is, is everybody does their research and, and their due diligence when it comes to getting information. And, I, and I, I applaud them for doing that. But what they see is they see a common number and that's $3.7 billion. That's what the Jacobs family and Delaware North is worth. But believe me, if you, and I'm not a business major at all. And I don't technically know much about business, even though I'm the guy that runs one. Um, But the thing is, is that's all assets. But when you take a big hit like this from a, a company that provides services to fans all over the world, we're all shut down. This company is taking a hit. So it's just 2020 in a nutshell. It's a kick in the nuts, everybody. So everybody's getting it, no matter what their net worth is. You know, and I get the, I just get the frustration and how people can have the blinders on and just focus on the hate on, on, on just nailing Jacobs on everything they can. But it's a business and businesses are taking a, a hit. Take away the sports for a moment. I know it's frustrating and we can't be there, but take away that and go back to the, you know, the thought and, and this and that and how everything in the inner workings and see how it actually works and figure out that it's happening everywhere,
3: Yeah, Heather, what do you think of uh, sort of the Bruins and being going back to being on the cheaper side again? It just seems funny.
1: Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a girl who's more than happy to hammer the Jacobs family because I am old enough to remember 1990 and all the years where this is a town where we were surrounded by great hockey, but not like just not. But that being said, in his defense, first of all, the salary cap everybody only has the same cap, right? So it's not a, even if he's worth $370 billion, his family is, and another team's owner is only worth $150 billion or whatever, they all can still only pay, spend $82 million. It's not like not back in the day when, okay, I do have to say also in defense, someone called Don Sweeney Harry and no, he's not. That's what the, that's the Jeremy Jacobs family. That was a terrible take the Jacobs family that we're talking about when we're like cheapskates, okay? And although I do think they could, you know, when the pandemic hit, and I really do think they they deserve their hammer and they got with their employees and not paying them. But in this situation, it's not like he can, even if he had $10 million, can't say, hey, guess what, Patrick Liney? why don't we just, we'll buy you out or we'll trade for you. We'll give you like a four round picks or whatever <laughs> and I, I I just so that to me is what annoys me about it is yes the Jacobs family can be cheap and and we're old enough to really remember how that impacted this team but you're right like in this ironically the guy that was probably one of the cheapest owners ended up being the champion of the salary cap era to let yeah. everybody else compete Go figure. right and this is not his fault like he they really have taken a hit it's a lot like just everyone's psyche and the businesses that help keep us grounded and happy and all they're all taking a you know a hit and he should not take a hit for this thing or his family even though he's not even in charge we still blame him
3: <laughs> i i agree and i think that look well all said and sudden done there, there's six a little over six million uh left on the cat on the cap space and jake DeBrus still assigned they're going to spend to the cap so i don't even know I don't even know how they could spend less or how they could spend more. Uh, I I don't get it. So it's, you know, I know that they're probably not willing to take on a lot of term with guys like Ekman Larson and, or Pietrangelo or whoever, and they want less, you know, average annual value if they're going to give term, which they did with Smith and when they did with Grizzly. But so now, you know, next year, I think they like the idea of having, I mean, they have a ton of cap space after next year available. So after next year, we're going to see exactly what direction and how much the financial constraints are going to be when they have all this money to spend and whether or not they're going to spend it. So that's when you can start to really see the effects. But look, in business, if you're not bringing money in, you can't spend it. I don't know. Especially
2: in a ticket driven world, man. It's like, you know, everybody's taking a hit. And, and yeah. you know, you are right. They probably are going to spend the cap if they're going to retain Jake Dabrowski. If they're going to save money, they're going to trade him. It's just right. that that's just the way the avenue goes. But, you know, it's if the, I get the narrative and I know the frustration, but this is also something that you have to consider when 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 world situations happen like this, that there's a the potential that, you know, some of these organizations aren't going to be able to get to the ceiling all the time.
3: And that's true, and I and I think no one knows it more than we do how how, how it was they were cheap years ago. Harry Cindem was a big part of that, and then when he left, you know Don Sweeney. Do people give get credit to Peter Shirelli or Don Swo? Someone talked to Jacobs about maybe his son. Someone talked to Jacobs about spending money to the camp because it changed. It, the philosophy changed because I in the last fifteen years I have not worried about the team not spending money. I've worried about them. Acquiring players and drafting players yeah, and yeah. and and player evaluation, a hundred percent. But I don't I don't worry about them spending money. And this is not a spending money sort of situation because again, they don't have a lot left to spend. So, uh, but again, it's just the Bruins fans, especially in, in our generation before then, is just about we got to go hit everybody on the ice all night long and fight, and then we're not going to spend enough money. Well. That's those are two tired, tired narratives and lazy and 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 You're reaching too short sighted. Yeah, you know? too short. I think
1: it was Cam Neely. I think he was the changing factor. I think nobody, and I still don't t- trust Chia Pet. I can't. Stand Chia 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 with a
3: no um, trade clauses. Yeah, yeah no killing.
1: So, but I also at the same time he brought me Mark Savard, if even for a brief little bit of time, you know what I mean? And uh, right. he brought Chara and did change. Like, no longer did it feel like my whole life. Am I gonna have to wait? Is nineteen ninety what I'm gonna remember? Because I'm too young to remember when they won the cup in the seventies. Like, I like, and it changed it. But you know what I think really changed it was when Cam Neely came in because Cam Neely had the clout to make the Jacobs do something that Chirelli didn't at the club point. he's like hey yeah. let's spend some money i'll get you know whatever joe thorne went whatever and all that movement yeah. in that time frame but i think could neely be, was like a
3: good point. dude it's,
1: it's time it that way but like it's time we need to do something or this fan base is not going to take much more know what i mean
3: so that segues into our next uh, topic which is is it time to look at cap friendly contracts and transition into a youth movement for the bruins and again this is the time where the Bruins really need to rely on some youth to make the next step, especially on defense. And is it time with all this money coming off the cap after next year, David Krejci, both your goalies uh, quite a bit of money coming off soon. Is it time to really dig into, you know, your your youth and see if some of these guys can pan out and uh, go to some more cap friendly contracts.
2: Who are you hitting first?
3: I go Mark first. All right.
2: So with the cap space at six point six right now, right. we're looking at, ne- at this the following season is could be as much as forty four million in space. Mm-hmm. So um, you know you're gonna yeah you talked about Krejci. You never know what's gonna happen with Corrali, Lindholm, McCaig, um Rask, Halak. I mean that's a lot of money. But you're going to have to also look at what you're going to do for Brandon Carlo, the McAvoys, and so on. Because those guys are now coming off short-term deals. They're going to want to get their long-term deals uh, done, in my opinion. So um, I kind of think that uh, we're going to be okay. But um, I want to see them um, involve the youth a little bit more. And, and use that cap space to address certain needs in the future. So if, if things don't happen this year, you got to have the money and flexibility to address it. And But but with the cap space being as much as $44 million, those are the times that you can actually go and get that high-profile defenseman and get another freaking right-wing sniper or something like that and create that layer of depth, scoring depth that you need. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that right now these spots should be, taking up i don't I don't know if i'm really i'm not high on on hoffman i, mean, I like the player and everything and there's just so much going on with them but i would rather save that that cap space uh for the trade deadline and and address it from there if we have the team to move forward and you guys think that they can go for a long stretch in the in the playoffs then make a deal make a move but right now having the flexibility and i just don't i think that When you talk about the cap, we don't have enough money to address both needs. We can just do one or the other right now. Fair enough. Long-winded answer, sorry.
1: No, that's fine. I talk all the time and I'm long-winded, so why would I have? I think a couple things need to happen. One, we do have to sort out, I mean, how many third or fourth line forwards does one team need, even depth-wise, right? Or how many third-pairing defensemen does one team need? And on one hand, you do have to get some of the youth. You have to figure out what youth you're really going to move forward for. And if not, cut ties and move on, right? So who are you really going to put on this team and make them the next set of Boston Bruins, right? That way you can see, like Mark said, who do you need to go out and get? Like if these kids are going to cut the mustard, who do you need to add to them to help? find our next Bergeron wave and our next Marshawn and whatever at the same time I think the team needs to realize what the next generation of players signing for their team-friendly deal isn't going to be the same as Bergeron you know and I think the team should be mindful that if Carlo you do choose to re-sign Carlo whatever when his term comes up that you respect the fact he took the team-friendly deal so that you could give whoever the money. And, like, that's how the game's supposed to work. But they also have to understand these kids are up in the ante about what their first entry level, you know, their first contract after entry level looks like too. So, like, that alone is why Jake DeBrus will be worth a little money, you know, kind of thing, if they sign him. So that's just me. I think a lot of things have to happen. You have to decide who you're going to sign what you're going to decide if you can move forward with how players get paid reasonably, but still keep it cap friendly. Cause he's the master of that. That's it. What Mark, what's up?
2: Hey, I just looking at cap friendly. I'm, um, and you mentioned Brandon Carlo mm-hmm. and I just looked and he's arbitration eligible after mm-hmm. next season. Right. So that's another thing. I, I didn't even notice that until I saw the hammer right next to it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's going to play a key role. Uh, hopefully we keep the street going alive by then. <laughs> right. I think that Carlo Carlo is a you know, RFA with arbitration eligible. So that
3: leads, and it's going to be interesting because with another flat cap situation and, and lost revenue again, if I'm Carlo, do I say, you know what? Maybe I take another bridge. Maybe I take a year or two bridge and try to get a bigger payday two years from now when things are more back to normal. So it'd be interesting to see if they put him with term, let's say they gave him a four-year deal like they gave Grizzlick. Well, you're probably looking at, you know, five million a year, so that's one guy you have to think about. And then Andre Kasha is an RFA. Nick Richie's an RFA. He probably won't be there. Well, Kasha's got problem.
2: arbitration too.
3: He's got arbitration, Kasha. So if he has a good year, that throws a wrench or a hammer well, <laughs> into that situation, right?
2: Heather, would you con- would you consider with all these arbitration talks that, and and him have? Let's say Kasha has a good year, and he ups his value. Would you now make him uh, your first priority to put into a trade?
1: It's hard for me to imagine. I don't want him here if he's not going to be useful, right? But I also haven't seen enough of him playing. And what I have seen with him, Debruska and Krejci is that they look pretty good together. They just couldn't finish like everyone else. That's basically what I've seen. I can watch all the tape I want, but he's in, an, you know, the opposite conference. There's a lot of factors that change the way a player plays in a system and stuff sure. like that. Sure, That's I don't care if he gets traded away, but I also think if he has a spectacular season or whatever, and you do decide to let David Krejci have another year or whatever, if he wants to play and things are clicking and you kept DeBras, it's stupid to let him, you know, even offer him a one year, you know, let's see what we can do. But right. I don't know. There's too many factors. I, I uh, feel like I'm, uh, gonna I, I think I'm not trying to, but uh, we don't know. Kasha isn't going to be, Maybe he switched from a team he wasn't, you know, vast. Maybe his head's going to feel a lot better and stuff like that. It's been a lot of space since him being on the ice. And uh, I don't know. But
3: yeah, also have to factor that he's with David Krejci. So if he has a good year with Krejci and then Krejci's gone,
1: yeah,
3: you know, what, what happens then? I mean, is he the same type of player? And how much leverage is he going to have? If he goes out and scores 25 goals, then... You know, and here's another thing I don't understand about the NHL: why teams don't offer sheets to offer to people? It's just this unwritten rule, and they don't want to stab each other in the back and offer mm-hmm. our other teams our contracts. Because I would have offered Anthony Sorelli uh, or or Mikhail Sergachev of the Lightning an offer sheet that would blow the light would really put the Lightning in a bad spot. They're way up against the cap; they have to get rid of potentially Kalorn, potentially Tyler Johnson. You know, guys off that roster who make pretty good money, you could really put a wrench into what they're doing by offering. It doesn't seem to ever come to, to a point could where you, offer you, sheets are made.
2: Could you imagine so, you imagine a McAvoy Sergachev pairing? Right. Oh. I mean I would have done that, but for some reason teams don't like to do it because I don't know if
3: they're afraid that they'll get stabbed in the back later and in a wrenching situation be so where sick. you know McAvoy coming up as an RFA would, you know, that would be a potential team, you know, potential team out there trying to make that move on him. But I just don't understand why they don't do it. So with Kasha, I'm not sure what kind of leverage he's going to have. He's not going to have an offer sheet from somebody else. So I it'll be, and you have to get a goalie. So you're going to have to spend some money on a goalie when Rask and Halak are gone. So, but there's $44 million there. It'll be, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see. Just how badly Delaware North is doing after this coming season to see what what they spend uh, from what's available because I think then you'll see a real effect on what's going on.
1: Okay, first of all, I love office sheets, and I always when Sebastian Ajo got an office sheet a couple of years ago, I was like, "Oh snap, you did it, Montreal! What you doing <laughs> right. there?" Like, I love it because gone yeah, what I learned this off season is that teams will stab their own players in the back. Sometimes I'm looking at Alex. I just, and I'm not talking about Krug. I'm talking about Alex Petrangelo. Cause this dude's like breaking news. Wait, you just paid Tori Krug six, five. Okay. Well I'm going to Vegas and see what's going on there. Yeah. Like I just, so I feel like the way the loyalty used to work is not the way that it has to work. Now it's way more player friendly. And you know what? I think maybe more in it. I, I would have taken Sergachev myself. I think that yeah. would be very sexy right. on the back end. But um yeah, just I think that would be fun. Offer sheet, seriously, like yeah. do it. Like mix it up a little bit more. And maybe if more teams did that, then the Don Sweeney's wouldn't be so skeptical to go out and do something too. Like I'm not saying he is or isn't. I don't know. I'm not in his head. I'm not actually in the office. We can show a poll. Yeah, show a poll. <laughs>
0: yeah
3: (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i i mean i would have i don't want like i don't understand why a team like ottawa or or someone that you know i think ottawa was 10 million from the cap floor like why wouldn't you offer both those guys like i I just don't understand but (laughs) um but it it doesn't typically happen so with kasha you know hopefully that's a good problem to have if he scores 25 goals because then you have to make i'd rather make that decision than have him go out and score six and now you're trying to get rid of him or you're lo- losing them or whatever, or trading them for nothing, and that that trade becomes even worse than it was. So uh, hopefully sure. he does put them in that spot. Defenseman Carl Alsner, a uh, veteran, uh, remains to be seen, but is is the idea of signing another veteran smart, especially on defense? We have some youngsters there. I mean, I'd go with a one-year 700000 one of those little funky ones. Um on a guy like Kyle Alzner. Olsner, why, why not? But I don't know what your take is, Heather, on that.
1: I do think that, especially if you don't sign Char, we need, again, Matt Grislett can't be the veteran defenseman on the back end. I'm just, or actually Brandon Carlo. Oh, did they come in the same year? I can't remember. I'm a little fuzzy at this point, but they they all came in one after another. Carlo <laughs> was in
3: the 15 draft with uh, yeah. with all those misses they had. Yeah.
1: And I, no, I know. I just, I, they, but they can't be the veteran defense corps, I, Not because I don't trust them or think they know what they're doing. They're growing into fine young professionals, but it's always good to have a steady hand and an experienced hand in the room too, to help, you know, guide. Um, no one's going to ever live up to Chara or Kruger, whoever that they used to, or even maybe even John Moore, who's probably a voice in the locker room to the young bucks to give them something. But um, if it's cheap, it's not a bad deal i mean if you have to put them on the ninth floor because you see you, your providence kids that popped up are doing better and you'd rather keep them in full time it's not like when we used to have to watch Bacchus sitting up there or matt baleski my whole entire life or whatever <laughs> john michael miles uh, much better um but yeah i mean i i do think we need some insurance on defense because as much as i see a lot of good things in our young defensemen in the system i i I'm already worried about competing with the big teams in that we're traditional with. So maybe being a different division, like you said, is good if that happens. But um, I don't trust these kids enough to carry this team on the back end. And can you imagine Tuka? We've already talked about this. If she goes bad in the front of him, Tuka can very easily just be like, you know what? Well, here's the middle thing. I, I'm not dealing. You know, just kind of. Yeah, worse. I don't want that to happen either. So, all right for me. How about you, Mark?
2: This is uh, probably one of those things that could be addressed if um uh, a veteran or uh, and in a, a trooper, a real trooper that just does whatever he needs to do. Uh, and that's Stephen Campher. Uh, when Stephen Campher comes back to the NHL, if he does, uh, he still has one more year remaining on his deal. So, and it's a minor deal, um, but. Um, this could be if they, if they, he comes through, he doesn't make the team, it goes through the waiver process. Somebody like Alzner can already be in the, in the waiting, um, to fill that type of role. So, um, it's, it's, it's a low cap risk. I'm not, I'm not hating it, but it just, it's just another spot for, um, the, the revolving ninth floor crew. Um, so I have a hard time with a lot of, uh, the ideas of the guys sitting up there waiting for you know waiting for opportunities to come around when you're when it's time to roll but um, I, I you got got get the depth and if you want to keep the veteran leadership around somewhat it's it's certainly worth it but it's something I wouldn't explore I would like to give those opportunities for somebody else but this that might be the push it theory that I keep telling you know this might be an addition for some of these guys like Zaboral and and so on to make this club. And if they don't, they have an insurance policy, and this guy, and then Zabor will be the one that goes through the waiver process and possibly claimed. So I mean, there's so many variables that you can uh, you can talk about. It's not a great idea. I'm happy he's not making the money he was in Montreal uh, right. when he got bought out. So, but it also says that you know if you're a player like that and you got bought out what 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 actually went on was it just a a cap move or was it you were unhappy there and 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 tried to get out so right
3: yeah i mean getting bought out is a little bit of a red flag but if you can get a a veteran defensive guy um you know for short money just as insurance like a camper then i would be okay with that because you do have a little bit too much youth and defense and relying on a little bit too much of it coming in to the season here um all right, our next segment, we do it every week, Ask BNG. And uh, this is where uh, you, the listeners, send us your thoughts and questions of what you want us to talk about. What do we have, Heather, for Ask BNG?
1: Okay, first I'd like to remind everyone to please use hashtag hashtag <laughs> ask bng because i don't want to not see anybody's questions or mark if we miss somebody's question just because it's not kind of funneling into the same place isn't that why hashtags exist but thank you everyone who retweets about the segment and whatnot so Jay flanley had a couple questions Jay flans 19 uh what do you make of the um line a, barzell trade proposals and rumors so we've already talked about uh Line, a, how about do you have any thoughts on Barzel? Well,
3: I I love Barzell. I I thought we should have drafted him. Uh the thing the thing is is that I don't I mean, if the Islanders were not to re-sign Barzal, I'd be surprised. I mean, I he he should be the a guy that they put their money into and, and retain him. Line, A, we talked about, I just don't know if you know, they're up against the cap. They're not taking a lot in return as far as or can't as far as money, they'd probably want a Carlo who's was on the cheap, but they'd probably want Stadnica and they'd want, I don't know if a Vacanine and I don't even know if around the league, if people really value those younger players or how much they do. So I, at this point, I'm with Mark and I say, let's keep the money that you have, the extra money and wait till the deadline, see how the, le- the league and the season shakes out. See where your injuries are. See you know. See if Chara decided to come back. I mean, there's a lot of factors. I think you can go into the season right now with this group, and be a, still a really good hockey team. And then see what you have, you know, from there, and um, see what the young kids are giving you, and then make some decisions around the deadline time of what what you want to do.
2: I'm not overly sure what 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 the Barzell trade proposals. Are. I haven't really. I haven't heard, I haven't heard those. <laughs> Uh, but the Lion A's name has come around as in, you know, an asset to possibly move. We talked about it earlier in the show. Um, but interesting, interesting um, topic, Jay. Jay's actually a new member at the Black and Gold uh, Productions crew. So he's coming on, on as our uh, NCAA liaison and he's going to be starting up a podcast. So I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, so. Oh. He also asked uh, a
1: post-Maddie G deal finish up the offseason. Do you pay or trade DeBrusque, keep or let go of Chara? And if you have one final signing in free agency, who do you do? So let's start, uh, both of you. Do you, just quick, pay or trade DeBrusque? Go. Pay. Matt?
3: I say pay him for an affordable deal. Um. I set a, a, a parameter and I say, this is what we're going to trade, you know, sign you for. And then I explore trade if it's getting to be uh, a little bit more than you want to give. Um, and it may have to be even a trade where you get draft capital prospect in return and not take on a ton of money. So that's a dicey sort of situation. You really have to value DeBrusque and what he brings and what he can potentially bring. So entering, you know, becoming 25 years old here soon. This is sort of his prime, or what you would think would be. So you have to decide what, what, how much you want to commit to him and what he's willing to take. I set a limit and then explore trade.
0: All
1: right, I pay him, but all fine points. Um, and I like the idea of draft capital because we've kind of had some iffy draft place picks and stuff. Uh, but that's also because we're a high-performing team, so we get at the low end of each round anyway. So, um, how about Chara? Just keep the captain one more year, or no?
2: I'm I'm for it, but I'm also on the fence on like I'd rather rather see that that roster spot go to a younger guy. But I'm just whatever the organization does, I'm on board. So I'm uh yeah, see what happens.
3: And I go I go one year, similar to Kevin Miller deal um and if he doesn't want that it gets more of an offer and really wants to leave which i i still don't think at 43 years old this stage of his career why he would and take all those hometown discounts and then decide that he wants to take a better offer somewhere else just doesn't drive jive with me i don't understand why he would do that um especially with the legacy he can leave here so i i would assume that i I still believe he's going to wait until the season starts i really do
1: I say I get back in a DeLorean and go 88 miles per hour and go back and tell Don Sweeney to give you know Char Kevin Miller's money. But since they can't do that, right. it does concern me. Like Mark said, it seems like maybe something's changed in the locker room a little bit. And the fact that he, like you said, he'd even be fielding offers <laughs> from someone else, uh, I guess, protect your own, but if, Again, my right. ultimate scenario would be pay him not Miller. We can't do that. So yeah. if it's not going to be for one year, and right. I absolutely respect Sedano Chow though, so how, wherever he wants to finish out his career, however, that's up to him.
3: I think the team has told him like this: we want to do, a, we'll do a one year deal similar to what you've had. Right. I, I don't. I think that that's probably the issue is that he they're not gonna willing to give him any more term, and they're certainly not willing to give him any more money. So I think that they've probably said, here is what we're going to give you: go see what you want to do. And then that's why Sweeney says he's we're waiting for him to hear hear back from him, <laughs> because I just don't I think that they've said here this is what we're going to give you, and that's kind of it. I don't think there's a real negotiation with the Bruins when this regard, and I don't blame them. I, I just you know you can't be the same reason why I didn't like the Miller situation is the same reason why I wouldn't want the Chara situation the same way. You can't be sentimental because that's where you get yourself into trouble. So I I think they offered him one year whatever one year, one and a half or whatever it is. And that's it. See what else you, see what you want to do. And that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm on board with that.
1: Mark, you have one last free agency signing. Is there anybody who tickles your fancy? I don't have one that I particularly need to sign. How about you?
2: I don't either. Um, a lot of them have already gone that I really wanted the Bruins to jump on, but, um, I, I don't, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Duclair, and that could be a low, a low option uh, for forward if if needed. Um, I'm not sure about what's available on the defense. Um, yeah, it's a tough one for me to not having the information in front of me. Yeah, I, I don't want another free agent
3: signing just because I'd rather save that money. I don't think you're gonna find anybody out there right now that's really gonna improve your team all that much. So at this point. After all that's happened, I think that you go in with what you have with the young guys, see what you have from them, and then save some of that money. Well, I don't even know if you'll have that much money because if you sign Nebraska, you don't have money much money at all anyway. So if you sign a free agent, that means nebraska is gone. So you have to weigh those options. And I would just say, uh, no more free agents unless it's a Alsner veteran minimum type of guy.
1: Okay, thanks, uh, Jay, and welcome aboard to the family and the BNG family. Yes. Okay, so Bob Ferns, at Bob underscore Ferns, uh, it's not really in a question form, but it said two trade scenarios to consider a debate, Debrusk back and first round to Calgary for Hannafin, who I know, Matt, you've expressed you really love, or DeBrusque, Stednika, Kasha Moore for a cap move for Line A. Oof.
3: I like... Noah Hannafin a lot. I like the prospects of having him with McAvoy. Um Calgary has a little over three million in cap space. So if you send Debrusk, they'll have to sign Debrusk, so you have to factor in that. Again, D De- Debrusk Vakaninen, was it what was it Sadnica? No. It was yeah. Sudnica.
1: Well now no, they had uh Debrus Vakaninen and first round yeah, pick. First round
3: pick. Yeah. I mean, first round pick is a late twenties pick. Um, probably, because of the type of team you are, and then um, I like I like Hannafin. He's on a really friendly deal with long sort of term So He's at four point nine five, and he has a he has one he has two more years I think left than McAvoy does. I mean I think it's his deal is really good going forward, and he's twenty three. He's a BC kid, and I, I would like him on the left side of McAvoy a lot. I don't know if Calgary does that deal. Just because again, I don't know what people value the bruscat and Vacaninen was sort of disappointing last year, hasn't really progressed all that much. And then your first round pick is late twenties. So I don't I don't know. It really depends on I don't know why you'd want to get rid of Hannafin if you're a Calgary again, because he has a pretty good deal and he's young. So uh, but I would if I were the Bruins, I'd explore it.
1: What do you think, Mark, about uh for Hannifan?
2: That- oh, I mean Yeah. I mean, I know the Bruins were after him in 2015 when they were trying to trade down. Um, I mean, I'd love to see him back in Boston. I don't know if I want to give up on Vacanin quite yet. I'm a prospect prospect guy, so this is going to be tough, and I'm not sure about Dabrowski either. I think we've seen some untapped um, talents from him. So... But then again, you look at the second trade scenario, I'm going for the first one if I had to choose. Right.
1: I feel like the second one is too much. Like, even if you get rid of more or whatever, we don't really know. It's weird with our own players. We don't, like, you guys, you kept saying is... Are we overvaluing them? Like, what do other people think their value is? Like, it's hard to tell because we know what their value is to us. But right, right. maybe we have so many people backing up because there's not really a lot of fish biting out there for them either. We don't know. Um, but I do feel like for line A, it's, I guess, for a now situation, I don't want to, again, I'd like to give Euro a little bit more time. Halifin in the short term seems like a better trade scenario. But in the long term, I think line A might work out better. If you can get
3: him to say. Problem with the trade is that line again, the jets have 27 grand left. And (laughs) if they trade line a, they can't take a lot of, of in return. So they take to They've got to, they've got to sign them. So they're only saving maybe a couple of million there. And um, you know, Stadnika. Yeah. Nice piece that they would like back in in the first, I think it was. So again, I think if they're trading line A they're not well, no, That oh, they wanted more and Kasha, right? That was the deal, more Kasha, and um,
2: yeah, yeah, more was, was pretty much the definitely. salary dump,
3: yeah. It was, yeah, and then not. Jets aren't taking on John Moore and Andre Kasha's salaries, then I mean, that's that's five and a half million. No, nope. So they're not taking that in return. Now, if they did more of a Hannafin type deal, were they not taking on a bunch in return? Maybe did Studnika, and. You know, I don't even know. Well, it would, it would, it would be Carlo. That, would that be one guy. has a
2: little more legs for me. The Hannafin
3: scenario. The Hannafin does, and I think Hannafin hasn't been as good as they thought. No. But again, come to Boston and play with McElboy and and maybe he progresses. You're only twenty three. I I would really be in on a Hannafin type deal. But the Line A thing, I think, is wishful thinking. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Maybe he'll be all in to play with the other Hockey East boys. We don't know. We're building a Hockey East mega mission. Yeah, Hockey
3: East and in, uh, in Greater Boston team. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: um, so, Neil Mosher at Neil Mosher. Is that how you say it? Does anybody know? I'm sorry if I yes. said it wrong. It's Mosher. I, I felt like it was Mosher in my head because I liked Dimash back in the day. But, anyways, he says, who QBs the first power play this year, McAvoy or Grizzlick?
2: I'm going to say McAvoy and, uh, and Grizz, uh, will take that second, second, uh, line. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah. I, I think McAvoy isn't, is, has not shown, had been able to show his real ability offensively because he's played with Chara and had to sort of had that anchor with him. I think that McAvoy rushes the puck really, really well At times he's done it. He's gained a line. He's made a play. I think he'll he'll do that more often in the in the power play. I think I think McAvoy can really make a huge jump jump offensively. I like Grizzly a lot, he's a good second pair guy, uh, on a second uh, power play unit guy for sure. And I think it, uh, I like the prospects of watching those two guys on the power play. But McAvoy, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, one. I just want to touch on something. You guys remember the question we had on Ask BNG about um, the opportunities to get the puck back to McAvoy? Right, I think this is going to be uh, uh into his wheelhouse now because now he's going to be more uh apt for other players to look for him as the guy to give and go that type of scenario. So it's going to open up a lot more uh, shooting uh, possibilities, right. uh, open up more skating lanes for his uh mm-hmm. his, his visibility to cut through. So uh, mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be a really good thing. So.
3: Right, and Cassidy's talked about getting the puck back to the points and things. I think McAvoy is going to have a pretty good offensive year here. It's probably not the best case scenario for the Bruins because they will have to sign him in a couple of years, but I think that he's going to really show a lot offensively. I don't think you're going to – this is this is an unpopular take because everybody's in love with Tory Krug, but I don't think you're going to see – I don't think you're going to – the way you're going to miss Tory Krug is in the depth of your defense, like having another really good defenseman on your team. I don't think you're going to see – the effects of him being gone on the power play as much as people think and they people talk about his power play acumen all the time which is fine fine but a lot of those points came from the forwards and and, and i i just think that with the really good group of forwards you have there and the good goal scorers that with mcavoy there i don't think you lose as much as you think
1: cool um, I actually have a little different take. I think that Grizzlick and McEvoy should both be on the first play power. I think that Grizzlick should be the Tory crew quarterback, right? Again, this goes back to we always talk about they're not the same player, but this is time for Grizzlick to really take over kind of maybe that role. And I think that will really benefit Charlie McEvoy's ability to be a little more offensive because he doesn't have to control the situation, right? But he can move the puck and he can shoot the puck and he can he can worry about just being part of the play uh that's just my take i would prefer that both on the first
2: and, play and, I... and, and to touch on that heather it's not a bad idea when you're thinking about if they make a mistake at the blue line and it gets turned over for um a, you know a shorthanded chance now mm-hmm. you've now you've created two really fast skaters when right. you would normally have a Slower, or you know, it's not in the power play, but you know, you still had accurate players, but they might not be so fleet of foot like these two, right? More or less in general, there's there's only one defenseman, and everybody else is on the is, is doing the the um uh the forward positions and, and making up in that right. in that turnstile of the defense to offense on the power play. But having those both having those uh the the skating app, uh, capabilities of them both. Uh, is an interesting uh, it, avenue to to discuss, Heather, when you say uh, putting the both there instead of having that forward.
1: Well, it's partly why I prefer there being two defense and not just any two defensemen. Not like back in the day, stand up like blue line blue line defensemen, but like you said, I mean, these are two. Uh, they represent kind of this era, you know what I mean? Just kind of quick. Like you said, they can get back. They're pretty good offensively too, or at least they're still coming into their own offensively. They show that they can at least contribute to the effort, you know, and uh, this is the year I think they probably both pop off now that we know they're both going to be here to really, I mean, they are, them and Carlo are our veteran core. Now they on the back end. Right. Just saying. All right. So, um, and Maria of Watertown, lovely Maria that we love so much. Uh, says, now that the Bruins have avoided arbitration with number 48, will DeBrusque be on the uh, the next deal? If so, how much and how long?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, I'm thinking the... I'm going 2.5, 3.5 range, much like I was thinking with, with Um I know that's a dif- defense to forward, but I'm thinking that's what he gets. He's going to be short-term, probably two years um, and then go from there. So that's just my idea. Thank you, Maria.
3: Yeah. I think, I think the brusque, I, if I'm the brusque, I say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take a shorter deal and see what the landscape is financially. So I bet I, on I, yourself. Yeah. Bet on yourself. And, and he's, a, he's 24. I mean, it's still young and two, two years, uh, you know, maybe two at nine, two at eight, two at eight. And then, uh, cause it won't be a longer term. So they'll probably go shorter on the, I don't know. I think maybe two. it, I go, I would say, you know, two at eight and see, uh, see where he's at. And if he, again, if he wants five over, you know, if he wants four at 20, then he can, he can go somewhere else.
1: I think, I think three for three and you have him a little longer. And if anything, he, I don't suspect he won't still be trade bait. I mean, I, I don't expect I expect him to get better, not worse. I expect mm-hmm. him to get more consistent, but if he doesn't, If you do three for three, that's easily movable, too. Do you Mm. know what I mean? True. Uh, True. So that's just on that. But I do suspect he'll be a Bruin next year, if anything, for that. There's not much out there that they can do. They might, like, to your point, Matt, that if you're not going to do anything to really change the team, then at this point at least re-sign the people you have and let it go forward with, the right. tweaks you have made so far. Right. You, can't, uh, you
3: can't, you can't take on much contract in return because <laughs> you don't have and his, his number doesn't count against you right now. So you're, you're still at 6.6. So if you trade him, you can't take on a, a major contract in return.
1: Okay, well, thank you everybody for your uh, ask BNGs. And again, if I didn't see somebody's, please make sure you have hashtag ask BNG. Um, and if I failed, tell Mark because or tell me on Twitter, I guess. Uh, and I'm sorry. And uh, yeah, going forward, do that. So, Mark, uh, what's what are we doing next, Matt? Looks uh, like this week in Bruins history.
2: Um, I didn't have I didn't have anything. Uh, you oh, totally, it,
3: would be, it would be in Bruins history it'd be about week three of the season.
2: I totally <laughs> forgot about this. Oh I'm just I dropped the ball. There. Um yeah, I don't I, I yeah, I dropped the ball.
1: Uh this is okay. We're moving on to reviews. Well, a mama bear uh said great Bruins podcast, great podcast with a lot of information. I listen every week. Heather is my favorite. I love how passionate she is about Bruins players and emotion she puts into the podcast this is what really makes the podcast fun me to listen to thanks mama bear i appreciate wow. that, that
3: your um, do you know her yeah
1: you're
2: probably in the, yeah, probably in the
1: minority family. i did not write this no i <laughs> i'd come out b-rock because it's under barry <laughs> so, nice no but um thank you but i know it's probably in the minority because i am a blabbermouth but thank you very much and uh uh, Petra 3333 he's back. I I remember this person leaving us a review not that long ago, but good news is we now have a three-star review. But they say, I would like a little negativity. I have no problem with agreeing with certain moves, but we keep keep repeating the same point. Why so angry? I'm not sure what this review means, but thank you for giving us three stars instead of two again. And uh, I will work on negativity, which is really one of my strong suits, and uh, being (laughs) angry. I don't know if you mean they're not angry enough. We're too angry. We're not, but we'll work on it. Thank you for the feedback again, 200 episodes next week. People go rate and yes. review for Mark. Woo. Amazing.
2: Yes. And uh, I will take this opportunity to just remind everybody uh, and, and thank the, those folks out there that, that, um, that contribute financially. And that's with our Patreon account. And remember, there's a ton of stuff going on that's coming up. Just donate $1 per episode. You uh, w- will be eligible in weekly giveaways that we're going to start doing. We're going to start doing random winners. And and you can get a t-shirt, hats. If we work with Fanatics. We work with a store next door. So many good items that are coming up. We just recently got a nice uh, $2 Patreon edition. So thank you very much, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, so he'll that person is now eligible to go. Uh, into these into these giveaways and we we're going to start doing them soon want to get a little better idea what's going on with the year coming up so we'll plan accordingly but get involved now because we're just getting we're gaining more and more and more uh, stuff as we move forward so uh, thank the listeners thank the the um, people that share rate and review please keep it up um, we got 200 coming up next week, guys. I'm 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 absolutely yeah. psyched about it. We're working on trying to get somebody involved, um, so we'll let you know uh, uh, as we get closer to next weekend. So to celebrate our 200, and I'm I'm really pumped for that. So um, thank you very much, both of you guys. You guys are really yeah. uh, uh, we have I think a really good trio. Regardless of what folks say, I'm having fun. I enjoy sitting down with my friends and and talking Boston Bruins. So. There's nothing more like it, and if people, other people enjoy it, that's great. And you know, we can't always just jump from the ninth floor and 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 drop elbows on each other. You know, it's not that kind of show. So, uh, but you know, we do have some, we do have some fun. So I appreciate it. So, well, but now that, I have
3: favorite, I'm dropping elbows next week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bring shit. it kid what you don't know is i'm also the wrestling girl
3: oh, wow. yeah yeah
1: <laughs> rick flair is my idol Woo. no i'm just oh, kidding <laughs> no but seriously though thank you boys another great week fun times absolutely
2: absolutely all right so anyway we will talk to you guys next week episode 200 pass the show along to your friends and family it's almost the holidays Go to blackandgoldhockey.com and please use the, the the Fanatics banner for your shopping needs this this holiday season. We would certainly appreciate it. We get a commission which helps pay for all of this and, and our writers and everything else. So just check it out. Navigate yourself there. Help, 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 help some people out. So anyway, I will talk to you later. This is Mark Allred speaking for Heather Ingerson and Matt Barry. Peace out.